Let me see. I got something messed up here. Here we go. Hang on. Here we go. Hey, uh, so uh, we were sitting there listening to the band and, and all that. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if y'all know this, but, you know, we've got such a, I mean, you know it, but those, these people are so incredibly talented. And I'm not saying that because half of them are my family either. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, Danny, was, he reached over whispering mirror and says, you know what, Bubba? He's the Ty Murray of music. <laughs> he can do everything, play anything, you know, and it's true, I mean, he can play, he can play the drums, he can play anything, but you know, we got several up there that play multiple instruments, they just play in the one they like to play, um, I keep telling Taby, you know, you need to, Taby can play several things, but she just likes to sing, so, you know, that's just what she does, until she's at home, and then she gets every, all the stringed instruments we own, and she starts playing them, but anyway, that's Hannah and Emma, yeah. But anyway, we, God's sent us some incredible talent. I'm just, I just want to toot their horn for a minute, so I'm thankful for them. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about drive again. We're going to talk about a guy who had an incredible drive, but not at first. You know, uh, there's sometimes when God moves us to do something, or He's working in our hearts, we... We tend, to, uh, we tend to think, well, that can't be done through us or whatever. And some of us are even thinking we're outnumbered or, we're, you know, we're, we're, hit, we're, we're hiding away like Gideon was, thinking that God can't really use us. But, you know, um, I did a Bible study a long time ago, and I've done it a couple of different times. Uh, the name of the Bible study is Experiencing God. And I've mentioned this before. But one of the things in that study I will never forget that I read that has stuck with me my entire life of ministry is this. God's only asking for you to have a willing heart. He's not asking anything else out of you when it comes to uh, doing or, or serving Him. All God is asking from you is to be willing. Let Him do the rest. It's amazing what God will do if you will just say these words. God, have your way in me. I don't want to have my own way, right? You lead me. You guide me. And then He will do what He... Like he, what he's designed for you to do. He's laid out a plan for your life. He has a plan for you. And he, he's put a calling on every one of your lives. And you know, a lot of times, you know, people look to their preacher. Well, what is my calling? I don't know. You know I'm not Jesus, right? Uh, I, I'm just a man who's called to preach. I don't know. I'm just telling you that a willing heart is what it takes. And then there's some things behind that willing heart we're going to talk about today. Uh, but uh, remember, you can't, can't never could. If we're, going to, if we're going to move forward, we're going to serve the Lord with our whole life, we've got to remember that we can through Christ. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? All things. Everybody say all things, right? I mean, we can live in a topsy-turvy world serving Jesus with all our heart through Christ who gives us strength. And that's just the truth. So let's look at Gideon this morning. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6. He's our next guy on the list of those who had drive to serve the Lord. And so we're going to start in verse 11. Um, before I do that, let me just tell you the whole story because we don't have time this morning to read the whole story of Gideon, although we're going to cover, we're going to hit the high spots. All right, so Gideon was a man in Israel um, of, a, of the smallest clans in Israel. And at that time, Israel was in the time of what they called the judges. They had no king, right? And so uh, they were to serve the Lord. Joshua gave them the command, listen, whether it seems right to you or not, you can serve the gods that were on the other side of the Jordan. 
or you can or you can serve our God. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right. And he's laid a challenge out for all those people. He says, listen, you can choose to serve God or you can choose to serve someone else. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. What he was laying out there was this. Um, if you choose not to serve the Lord, this is just the truth. I'm Okay, let's be honest with one another. People who refuse to serve God, they have a harder time of it. Can we agree to that? I mean, they don't, they, there's no future. There's no hope. There's nothing, I mean, they literally, there's, there's nothing in their lives that gives them anything tangible. But those who choose to serve the Lord, over there it starts back I'm, I'm gonna move my bible this way here we go all right so those who choose the lord to serve the lord though there's uh well we have a living mighty loving god who we depend upon to lead us and guide us through a life that is not easy to live regardless of whether you serve him or whether you don't see but as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord. Look at what Gideon did. Here we go. So uh, Gideon, uh, the uh, people of Israel had turned against God. He let the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the ites, they came against uh, Israel and they were, they were stealing all their food. They were taking from them at will. And Israel was literally hiding in caves and everywhere to, keep their, to preserve their own lives. And they had nothing. The reason that it happened is because they had turned from God, right? So Gideon is uh, at this place to where he is treading, or he's treading out wheat in a wine press. He's in a hole hiding, trying to preserve food so he can have something to eat before they came and took it. That's literally what he was doing. And so God led Gideon out of that wine press to drive out the uh, Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other ites, right? Let's just call them the ites, all right? So uh, he led Gideon with just 300 men. He took these 300 men and he drove these people out and he provided freedom for Israel. So that's, what, that's the whole story in a nutshell. Let's read it. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Orpha, which belongs to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Uh, by the way, if y'all uh, that come to Men of Valor, our Bible study, the term Men of Valor, I got it directly from this story, so you know. All right. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the, his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go, I like this. He didn't want to hear, he didn't want to hear his complaints, right? Okay, now I want to tell you something. Gideon knew full well while they were in the shape they were in. You know when somebody, I'm going to get preachy just for a minute before we read the rest of the scripture. But when somebody turns away from God and their life goes nuts on them and all of a sudden they're looking, well, why did God let that happen? 
Well, maybe, and then when you turn around and you start to serve him again, how God comes back in your life and, uh, or how you get back in a relationship with him. He never left, by the way. Then all of a sudden your li- things start to get better in your life because you're serving him again. And a lot of times when things go wrong because we're away from God, we want to point at him instead of pointing at every other circumstances that are around us, right? It's always It always seems to be God's fault when things go wrong. I never have understood that, you know. And yet when the sun comes out, you know, I I was amazed this morning. Last week we came to church, it was snowing, right? This week, and it was a beautiful snow, by the way. And my kids, Kobe, he said, I hadn't seen snow my whole life. He's seven, you know. Um, But this, this, today we have a beautiful day, and I want to tell you something. Y'all give God a little credit for this beautiful weather we have, right? I mean, why do we do, I I just think about things like, statements like that where he says, you know, why has God done this to us? When things are going great, why can't we just simply praise him when our life is great, right? I mean, so we miss it so much, you know, I don't know. Uh, I got a little, that's a rabbit trail. Uh, It says, and the Lord turned him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, do I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one, one man. Now, I want to talk to you about being valiant for a minute. Valiant. Uh, what does it mean when, well, I want to tell you that God's people, people that follow Jesus with all their heart, you know what we are? We're valiant people, right? Uh, look at the person next to you and say, you're just brave. Tell them, you know, I mean, sometimes we need to hear that, you know, we're valiant. The, the, the word valiant means to possessing or acting with bravery and boldness. You know, sometimes we're called to be brave and bold Well, not sometimes, all the time, in every circumstance, no matter what the odds, we're we're not called to be brave and bold on our own account, but brave and bold because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We're brave and bold because we're dependent on Jesus. And we should always be brave and bold in any circumstance we face as believers, every time. Uh, Mar- this is what bravery and boldly is, boldness is marked by, by exhibiting or carrying out the courage or determination. So this is what the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon in a hole, basically, where he's hiding and he spoke something to him that he didn't, he didn't even know he was. Right? You know, uh, Bubba said something this morning. I'm just preaching from the band's words today, I guess. But he said, he said you know, um, what does God say about you? Right? God called Gideon a fearful man hiding in a wine press, threshing out wheat, a mighty man of valor. He said... Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And the Lord appeared to him and said, ready? Let's read it. This is how you become a mighty man or a mighty woman, Elena, of valor. Ready? Let's read it together. Let's understand this. And I think all of us need to understand this. As we live our lives every day for Jesus, I think we forget this. And I know they're simple words, but they're important words for us in this day and age. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, read it, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, the, you wouldn't be a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor unless this other factor was involved, and that factor is that the Lord is with you. But because the Lord is with you, you are a mighty, politically correct person of valor. Did y'all like that? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Never in my life. But I was just now. Ain't y'all proud? Now, uh, I want to tell you, this is simple. I know it's simple, but I'm a simple kind of man. How do we develop this valentry in our lives? Well, let's fast forward to the New Testament. Peter and John, post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has risen. He's living in their hearts. The boldness of the Holy Spirit has entered into their lives. Now, things are different with, for the disciples. Before Jesus rose, He said, You know, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send you the Holy Spirit to come and dwell you and live in you. So it's better that I go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. Because see, we've been studying this in youth and in men of valor. That we will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be His witnesses in, uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That's what He said. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So listen, He talked about this, and then Peter and John go in this great commission that Jesus gave them, and they're preaching God's Word, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a post-resurrection world where Jesus is in heaven and the Holy Spirit is here. They walk into the temple where they were in these places where they call Jesus a liar and had him crucified. They go in there with boldness. Everybody say boldness, right? They're walking along to the temple to preach God's word contrary to what anybody else believed. Two guys on a mission by themselves with nobody on their team. Where are you at, mighty person of valor? They, they're going on the way and there's a lame man there. And he's begging for alms and Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I have I'm going to give you. Powered by the Holy Spirit, he reaches down and grabs that man by the hand and he said, by the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. The man didn't stop at walking. The Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Well, they get to the temple there. And of course, none of these people agree with them. None of them like them. They want to just put them in jail. But the Bible says when these lawmakers and these people that disagreed that Jesus was the Messiah, they saw something in them that caused them to, well, realize that they couldn't touch them. And here it is. They, they saw the man standing there healed. They saw Peter and John in their boldness. And this is what they said. And this is your key to being a mighty man or woman of valor. You ready? And when they, ready? Let's read it. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, right? I like this part. I love this. They perceived that they were uneducated. They were common men and they were astonished and they said what is it what what changed Peter and John from being 
ordinary, uneducated men, just common people, to being extraordinary, valiant men. What changed it? Let's read the last line together. Ready, church? Read it. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. If you want to be a valiant, valiant person, a mighty man of valor or a mighty woman of valor, here's your key point for the sermon today. Spend time with Jesus. I got five minutes to preach three more points. How in the world am I going to get that done? Okay, so we're, we're probably going to have to finish this one up next week. God's people are a valiant people. Ready? Here's some, here's some things we need to think about. We're being valiant people. Number one is to change the way I perceive and how I think. So change what you perceive to be true. Not based on your own reality, but by the reality of Scripture and the reality of God in your life. That that changes everything. When you're spending time with Jesus, that changes everything. The way you perceive life, the way you see the future, the way you see everything changes if you're spending time with Jesus. So you change the way you perceive and the way you think. Okay. Here's the next one. Uh, Take decisive action that glorifies God. Have complete trust and dependence on God. And expect God to work, and this is a good one, this is the truth, in very unusual ways. Okay, so let's, let's look at the first one right here, right here. Change the way I perceive and how I think. See, the, man, the angel goes to Gideon and he says, Where are you at, mighty man of valor? Here I, I'm going to call you. And Gideon says... Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wondrous? He's, he's asking this question. Man, if God is so good and He's, and he's loving me so much and, and He's calling me out to do great things for Him, why have I seen such devastation, destruction? Why are the things that I'm seeing outside not reflective of what I'm supposed to believe in my heart on the inside, that God is mighty, that God is great, that He's going to do incredible things. And so what Gideon perceived became something outside of what God wanted him to believe. What's the key, though? They recognized they had spent time with Jesus, right? It's amazing what spending time with Christ can do to change your perception. Remember, Gideon was not a worshiper of the Lord. Nobody in those days was. We're going to find that out in a minute. The reason his perception of what God was doing was false is because he was looking at a people that were not serving the Lord. And when people do not serve God, God backs off. The grace you receive from God when you're not serving, just simply the grace to stay alive until you realize what you're doing wrong so He can save your soul and give you a better life. And we're all those wondrous deeds. But, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and he said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? He's saying, Gideon... 
You know, I'm not going to buy all this trash you're talking about, God. I'm not going to do it. Listen, you go in the might that I'm going to give you and you save, the, you, you save Israel. And the next one he says, and, and he said to him, please, Lord, here's, here's where the perception begins to change. How can I save Israel? Behold, let's read that. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I, ready? I am the least in my father's house. And ready? And the Lord said to him, this is the key. You ready? Those disciples were with Jesus, right? What does the Lord tell Gideon? But I will be with you. Gideon, the factor is not how great you are. It has nothing to do with how great or strong or poor or weak you are. That doesn't even play in the picture. What counts is whether I am with you or not. Gideon says, I'm the weakest. My clan is the smallest. I'm nothing, Lord. You know what God says when you say that? You know what God says? Good, you realize how low you are. Now let me show you how great I am. Paul said, when I am weak, then he is strong. Right. You see, so um, the Bible says, uh, here's how you change the way you think. Ready? Read that right there. Do not be conformed. Let's read it, church. Come on, y'all. Be with me. Do not be conformed to this world. What's shaping and molding your thinking right now? I want to tell you that I have to be very careful because I am a proud American. Right? Um, I have to be careful about how much of what I read and let in here, even of the good stuff, when it starts to control the way I think about other people and the way I think about what God's doing. Even if it's, even if it's the conservative news that I read on a daily basis, if I get too much of that in my heart, I start to worry. I start to think uh, that maybe God has forsaken us. I start to think all kinds of things because I feel like I have no control over what's going on in my life right now. But you know, I've noticed something, in a, in a, and as your pastor, I've got to be honest with you, um, over the last couple of weeks, I have turned a lot less to that stuff, just staying informed is all I want to do, and I've turned a lot more to this. And you know what's happened? You know what happens when you turn more and more to this? The peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's called not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Everybody say transformed. transformed. By the spirit of the renewing of your mind. I want to tell you how you change the way you think about things. And it's, the, and it's through this incredible book right here. God makes incredible changes. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Change how you think. Everybody say, change how you think. Take decisive action that glorifies God. Here's your next one. 
Hang on just a minute. Okay. That clock is wrong. <laughs> Y'all know I get a little distracted sometimes. It's about three minutes fast, so we're good. Take decisive action that glorifies God. What do we do to take decisive action that glorifies God? Here's what we need to do. We need to decide with our own lives that with our lives, we're going to glorify God and we don't give a rip if it hair lips the governor. Right? What I'm telling you, y'all ever heard that saying before? Like, with my life, I will glorify God and I will do what He's called me to do regardless of what everybody else thinks because I know that if God is first in my life and I'm giving Him glory, number one, that everything, everybody say everything, everything. falls into place. Do you believe that? So Gideon did something that nobody else, nobody else liked. Nobody wanted Gideon to do what he was about to do. God told Gideon, he said, I want you to go and I want you to tear down the altars to Baal and Asherah. Those were the two false gods that were praised in that day and worshipped. There were a, it was a horrible, horrible things they did to worship these gods. I'm not going to go into detail, but they, they really disgusted God with their worship of Baal and Asherah, a male God and a female God. God told Gideon, I want you to go down there and I want you to tear those down. Gideon took 10 of his hired servants. He went, now just to let you know that, you know, Gideon's a lot like us. Gideon, you know, he kind of, I want to say he eased into it. I mean, this is a pretty brave act of you, but he didn't do it during the broad daylight where everybody could see him doing it. Did y'all know that? He went in the dark. He was like, if I'm going to do that, God, I'm going to do it where nobody can see me because I don't want them killing me, right? <laughs> so he took 10 of his hired servants and he went at night to do this thing that God said to do. And so that, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and take... And the second bull, seven years old. That second bull there was being raised for sacrificial purposes, just so you know. And that second bull was probably for the purpose of, well, it was for the purpose of sacrificing to Baal and Asherah. God says, nope. Gideon, you take your father's bull and the second bull that's meant for the sacrifice of Baal and Asherah. He says, and, uh, and with the second bull, Seven years old and ready, read that. This is important. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah. Take the bull, put a harness on the bull, the ox, and pull him down. And then he says, and that is beside it. And ready, tear down those strongholds. And then what's he tell him to do? Ready, what's he say? Build an altar to the Lord. Your God. Very good. On the top of the stronghold here, and the stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it. This is where Gideon's going to make a lot of people mad, right? He's already made them mad because he tore down their altars to their gods, their false altars. He built an altar to the Lord where those gods were. 
And then he takes the sacrifice that was meant for those gods and he offers it to the one and only God. Take the second bull, the offer of the burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So he says, go ahead and take their false gods that they made out of wood, you know, and put them in a pile, set them on fire and throw that at sacrifice that was meant for them and let them, you know, and offer that to God. He took decisive, would y'all say that this is decisive action to bring glory to God? Do you realize that his whole, everybody hated him for this? Um, all the, other than his dad, I liked what his dad said. Therefore, uh, oh, let me tell you what happens. So the next day they woke up and their, their, their gods are gone. What did they do with my gods? Right? Man, if somebody can do something with your God, he ain't a God. I'm just telling you, you know. If they can carve him out of a piece of wood and stick him up and say, you know, make him look like they want him to look and stand as tall as they want him to stand and do all that and put him where he's supposed to be, if that's the God that you're worshiping, that's not a God at all. You made it, right? You don't make God, God makes you. Simple as that, right? Just so you know, okay? Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called. See, they go to Gideon's dad, all the people in the town. They said, bring Gideon out here. We're going to kill him. Why are you going to kill him? Because he tore down our gods. Well, Gideon's dad said, well, if your God's so powerful, if he's really what he says he is, why don't you let him take care of Gideon? That made sense to them, so they went away, right? Therefore, that day, Gideon was called Jerubel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because, read, let's read it, because he broke down his altar. Here's a, here's a point I want to make to you, okay? Um, look at what Je Jesus asked, was asked, what's the greatest command in the law? What's the greatest command we can follow? What, what is the most important thing to us, Jesus? The lawmakers asked him this. And Jesus answered these words. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, ready? Let's read that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, when he refers to the heart here, it's the center of your physical being. So everybody take your hand and put it on your heart like that. Now, when I preach... My heart's thumping 90 miles an hour. Every time. I've never gotten over it. It's like from the first day to now. First message I preached, it was about to jump out of my chest. Today, years later, years and years later, it's still about to jump out of my chest. Man, I can feel my heart beating right now like crazy. It's like, whoa! You know. But I feel my heart beating. My heart beating is my drive. My physical drive is, that's my motor right there. Everybody feel it? That's your drive. Right? So, your physical purpose, the things that you physically go and do is what Jesus is talking about. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. What you perceive to go, what you go out and physically do, make sure that it glorifies the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord, Colossians says. 
your actions. Ask yourself the questions, what altars do I need to tear down that are taking the place of the God who's supposed to be in charge of my actions? He says, with all of your soul. The soul in the scripture here means the seat of your emotions. You know, I've noticed something since November 3rd. A lot of my friends aren't smiling very much anymore. We feel like most of us in this room, maybe not all of us, maybe all of us, we feel like that uh, something's been taken from us. And it's caused us to be unhappy and steal our joy. What's the seat of your emotions? Are you loving the Lord your God with all your soul? Because here's the thing. If God has control of the seat of your emotions, ouch. Amen. That's Quentin back there. I'm so glad Quentin's back in church. Thanks, y'all. I missed him so bad. And he was here last week in the snow, and I think he was so happy to be at church. It was crazy. I just love Anyway, glad he's here. Uh, thank you. He said, thank you. <laughs> hey, listen to me now. Listen to me. What, what's controlling your emotions? What's, what, because I want to tell you something. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Because it's found in this. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Here's the last one. Love the Lord your, your God with all your mind. Be conformed. What are you thinking about? What's consuming your thoughts? Can I challenge you to do something this week? Let Jesus consume your thoughts. It's amazing the effect that has on us. Really quickly, I've got to wrap it up. Let's see if we can do this fast. Have complete trust and dependence on God. This is the last thing, or not the second to last thing, and I'll wrap through it quickly. Um, so it says here, now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Yes, I like this. This is what we all, we all need this right here. Ready? Let's read that church. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Man, when the spirit of the Lord is in you and on you, boy, they can't nothing beat you. Right. And, and, he, and he sounded the trumpet and the Abizrites who were, who were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. And they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulon, to Naphtali. And they went out to meet him. Man, he, he says, we're not going to let these guys take our food anymore. Right? We're not going to let them take our land. We're going to stand up against them. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to create this great, big, huge army. And we're going to come together and we're going to fight against them. So Gideon was half right. Because the Spirit of the Lord clothed him and the Lord had called him out to deliver his people. But that was only half. The Lord didn't want him to do it with 32,000 people, which was what he started out with. And it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Here's why. Everybody say this. God don't share his chair. <laughs> Nobody's going to get glory for what God does. 
That's why I keep telling you, you're not saving yourself. God saved you and He's going to take all the glory for it. So quit trying so hard. Just give it to Him. Right? And it says, uh, lest, ready? Lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has delivered me. Boy, we'd like to say that, but that's just not the truth. Now, therefore, proclaim His word in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then, ready? 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And if y'all do the math, that's 32,000 that he started out with. God sent 22,000 home. Here's how God works in mysterious ways. This is really strange, right? But this is the way God chose to do it because he's God and he can do whatever he wants, right? And the Lord said to get in, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone, <laughs> I love this, who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall sit by himself. And let everyone, everyone who kneels down to drink... You set them by themselves as well, right? And the, and, the, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, were 300 men. But all the rest, the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with, ready? Here it is. With 300 men who lapped, I will what save you. And give the Midianites into your hand and let them let all the others go, every man to himself. I'm going to tell you what the Lord did. He saw those men go down. He says, anyone who laps water like a dog is crazy enough to go fight. That's my take on it anyway, right? But here's the thing. What does John say? Remember this, Gideon was going against an army of thousands of people. You're not, listen to me, you're not outnumbered ever. God used 300 because he wanted to be glorified. But God says that He's not going to put us to shame. Here's what you remember when you go home and you lay down in your bed tonight. Little children, you are, you are from God and have overcome them. Read it. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Look at the person next to you and say, we can't be outnumbered. Last point. I know I'm a little long today, but hey, I'm one point away from finishing. Let's get her done, right? Y'all hungry? Can you give up a little food for Jesus? Can you tear down that altar? Can you tear down that altar? Tear that altar down, baby! I'll make it quick. Ready? And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets in their hands and all of them empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. And when, and when I come to the outside of the camp, 
Let's read church. Do as I do. Boy, he was a leader, right? There's a whole other sermon there. Expect God to work in unusual ways. Then the three companies blew the trumpet and broke their jars, and they held in their left hands the torches, and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword of the Lord and for Gideon! And every man stood in his place around the camp. And here's what their enemies did. You ready? And all the army ran. They cried out and fled. <laughs> Whoa. Man, can, does this not fire y'all up? This is just like, I read this story and I'm like, God is amazing, man. Remember this. Romans 8. 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? Can we read this church together as we close this sermon? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all? Mm. If God is for us. Who can be against us? I'm going to ask our band to come up here. And as we close the service, I'm going to, I'm going to 